Blog Talk Radio. Hey, this is Zach Efron, and you're listening to The Stupid Cancer Show. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <laughs> Somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Because he has a lot of chutzpah. <laughs> Hello there, children. Hey, hey, kids. <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. And now, the hosts of the Stupid Cancer Show, Lisa Bernhard and Matthew Zachary. Woohoo! Monday, June 25th, and welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adult cancer. My name is Matthew Zachary. I am a 16-year young adult survivor of pediatric brain cancer. And my name is Lisa Bernhardt. I'm a 17-year young adult breast cancer survivor, and we're your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. Alrighty, it's not okay. Not okay. That 72,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer each and every year, so got cancer under 40? Sucks, huh? Time to get busy living, folks, because the Stupid Cancer Show is changing the world. One chemo infusion at a time. All right, tonight, everybody, we're talking about the Big Easy. That's right, Stupid Cancer New Orleans. We're going to hear all about that with Mary Catherine Rodriguez. She is Director of Survivorship at the Mary Bird Perkins Cancer Center, and she's co-founder of something called YAS, Young Adults Taking a Stand, and Benjamin Bullen. He's an artist of the Benjamin Collection, and his betrothed, or his beloved, I should say, Kathleen Satoon, who's a young adult survivor of Hodgkin's lymphoma. We're going to hear about what they all got going on down in New Orleans, Matthew. All right, the uh, Stupid Cancer Show is a production of, you guessed it, Stupid Cancer, also known as the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation, online, 24-7-365, at stupidcancer.org. We are not your father's cancer society, but we are bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs. So, welcome aboard. Another fun and exciting rock to the hangout tonight's Stupid Cancer Show where remission is not a cure and survivorship is all that matters. And a Stupid Cancer welcome to any and all of our first-time listeners here on the Blog Talk Radio Network and on iTunes as we broadcast live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. And as a final reminder, don't forget about our live interactive chat room during each and every broadcast. We invite you to join in the fun and connect with our friends and ask questions of our guests. Hello and welcome back. It's Monday. Welcome. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Matthew. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? What's going on? Well, I uh, had a little drive into the city tonight in the thrashing, pouring, thunderstorm, flooded... GW Bridge. Like, like, is it racist to say the weather got all Southeast Asian on us? 
Well, no, I understand what you mean. Because weather can't be racist. Like, like typhoon Like Cambodia or yeah, kind of I, Rambo I, I, weather. Yeah, I follow you. Yeah, okay. I, don't, I don't believe that. It's okay. racist. Okay, good. It's weatherist. <laughs> A meteorologist. Right. Yes. Look who's here to my left. Well, there's Kenny Kane. He's Hello here. there. Hi, Kenny. But there's another face we haven't seen in a while. It's Dr. James Manning. Hello, man. Hello, sir. Hello, Lisa. How's How the are you? coming along? Good. Good, good. You know, it's funny. Kenny's, like, been uh, angling Nashville for a couple of months now. Uh, do you encourage him to move there? I have not encouraged him one way or the other. <laughs> so, or, or the other. Or the other. Exactly. All right. Ten. James, is you're, you're Nashville born and bred, James? I am, yes. Okay. Well, we're talking New Orleans tonight. What oh, was Wrong so, subject. Yeah. We'll, be on, we'll be on location next week in New Orleans. Oh, you will? Nashville. Okay. I, I'm, as long as you're not kidding about that. We'll see. I don't know. So what's going on in the news? Anything going on? You want to talk about this fine story, face the facts, young adults get cancer too. Yes. That's what we've been telling people. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I'm in the wrong job. So we've heard. There's a yeah. great magazine called Women and Cancer, and the website is at the bottom of the article. Um, it's... Uh, like A Women's Health or something. That's right. Are you, do you subscribe, Matt? A Women's Health dot com. A Women's Health dot com. Uh, Women in Cancer magazine is published. I think it's quarterly, and I was contacted by one of their journalists because they're doing an epic story about young women with with breast cancer, um, which turned out to be a story about young women with all cancer, which turned out to be a story about all young adults with all cancer, uh, which is really epic. It's a really great piece. They have a huge listenership, uh, readership, whatever the whatever the, what magazine, whatever readership. magazine. Right. I can't talk tonight. Kenny got me the the spiked up coffee. Um, but yes, uh, Diana Price, kudos to her. Great piece. Check it out at awomanshealth.com. Um, we have uh, Karen um, Fasciano from Dana Farber, the young adult clinic uh, goddess up there who put together the whole project. And uh, Becky Johnson from Seattle Children's, who has an amazing young adult program. She interviewed both of those doctors. Really great piece. Excellent. Um, yes. Um, did you hear anything about the – I saw an article that the Supreme Court may be coming down with their ruling on the Affordable Care Act this week. Is that – Thursday it's supposed to be. Thursday. Because they're, yes, they're coming down to the wire. They're saving the, la- the best for last. Uh, they have had a couple of court decisions that have come out today and will through the end of the week. Well, through Thursday, I think, is, is – uh, yes. And to, anyway, to answer your question, <laughs> <laughs> let me stumble over my words and have a roundabout So we'll have something to talk about next that, Monday for yes, sure. Uh, Thursday, it should be decided. Now, it'll be interesting to see parts of it will still stand or not. Or I mean, you know. I can't claim to, to know much about it. It's not my forte, and I'm not going to pretend that I'm any sort of expert on it. But I did read something on Gawker Media, which, of course, I, I really should believe is the Bible. Is the Bible. Of, yeah. That regardless of whether they do anything, it's still going to hurt. Obama and young adults, whether or not they have, because there are loopholes in there that could be, be re-exploited by insurance companies. Absolutely. Well, here's the well, here's here's the thing though. So this did come out in the news that now, two point as predicted, two point five million young adults between eighteen and twenty five are now insured because it did pass in two thousand ten, and that was one of the uh, provisions of the. Uh, Affordable of the ACA right. that uh, went into effect. Well, Kenny's so, one of them. Yes. So now, which is a wonderful thing, so that's up from like six hundred thousand. Right. It's a uh, lot of people. Yeah, two point five million. To yank now. it away from them. And I happen to know that if you sort of crunch the numbers here on cancer diagnoses, that about 
4,000 of those will be predicted, unfortunately, to come down with a cancer diagnosis by the time they age out of that health insurance coverage. Right. So that should help, assuming that all still stands. I mean, I don't right. know how that would that, you know. I did hear that insurers are saying that even if that was repealed, that they would continue with that. But I would think so. Well, the thing the thing is it's still cost-effective for them. It's still relatively cheap to insure young Absolutely. adults. So right. that's kind of a no-brainer for them to look good, to hold that up, to right. keep young adults in that age bracket, 18 to 25, right. insured. Right. So that should still stand, but we shall just, see. Just curious to see what goes on. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, with all the women's health stuff they're doing, you'd think, like, oh, disenfranchising 2.5 million people, oh, that's nothing compared to California or Arizona. You know, <laughs> yeah. so right. it's not about the numbers. Right. Um, but, Kenny, you, you do have, you are a sole sign, signatory beneficiary of the Affordable Care Act. Correct. And how does that make you feel? Uh, it makes me feel wonderful, uh, not only as a human being, but as a male with uh, male issues. Really? Is that Uh-oh. what you call them these days? Yes. Do we want to get into those? They make pills for those. Uh, aside an, from, aside an, from the issues that I face working for you. There's an app for that. Yes. <laughs> so you went back, so you went on your parents' health insurance? Yeah, yeah. So basically I was I was working prior to my to my work here, and I was on COBRA. The COBRA ran out, and I'm now going back under my parents' Um until 26, and then I can go back on COBRA when I turn 26. Which gotcha. is in December. Correct. You know, the one thing I want to point out is that they, people are so lazy in this country, we can't even say the Supreme Court. It's now called SCOTUS. Right. Like POTUS. That's, like POTUS. That's, that's the president SCOTUS yeah. sounds like a disease. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. It's for Twitter. Well, it's not just for people. When I it's worked lazy in the news people. business at Fox, we were all, everybody, you know, you referred to as POTUS and right. SCOTUS and all of that. And the VOTUS? It's shorthand. The VOTUS? Right. <laughs> Is there a VOTUS? Is there a FLOTUS, the first lady? FLOTUS. That's good. They make that up? Yeah. And then there's nice. a SLOTUS, also the second lady. The second lady. <laughs> Dr. Biden. I don't think she wants to be the SLOTUS. <laughs> He's so more of the SLOTUS. He's more of the SLOTUS. <laughs> God bless. I need my Joe Biden. I love, I love Biden. No, he's good. Yeah, he's fun. Anyway. You know, he's, he's the poorest member of the government. If you, if you look at the incomes right. and the wealth of like all the senators, all the congressmen, mm-hmm. all the he's like the poorest. The man is he's not a millionaire. Right. I can relate. <laughs> no, but I like that about him. Like regardless of po- of, of a party, right. the fact that he's broke he's, his he's, shit like all of us. He's actively not rich. Yeah. <laughs> He's passively made wealthy. all those commutes to Washington over all those years from from. Uh, no, what I like that. Yeah. That's this quirky thing. Like the guy's yeah. not rich. Like it's, it's what are the odds? Right. Pretty pretty low actually. Um, okay, well let's uh, let's get to our first guest. I shall cue up our music. Now Joy Huber did not send us her bio. Tisk tisk. But you know what? I'm on her website, so I'm going to scan through it here. Here we go. She's a stage four young adult cancer survivor, and she's the author and founder of Cancer with Joy. She wrote Cancer with, with Joy, How to Transform Fear into Happiness and Find the Bright Side Effects to be the essential resource for the newly diagnosed and those currently in treatment to provide helpful and valuable information that saves time, energy, and money. Uh, her clients have included hospitals, churches, large and small companies, and uh, we're going to hear more about what she's got going in this book, Cancer with Joy. So please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, Joy Huber. And I am saying that correctly, Joy. Huber or Huber? Huber. Hugh. Yep, Huber. you got it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. No, it's it's awesome to have you on the show. So tell us your story, first of all. Stage 4 uh, young adult 
cancer survivor. Uh, how old were you when you were diagnosed? And talk us through what uh, what went down there. Yes, I was diagnosed with stage four lymphoma at the young age of 33. Um, I had six intense chemotherapy treatments, four surgeries, many, many other things, and then I achieved remission in the fall of 2010. Uh, where I am today is I continue doing maintenance chemotherapy once every eight weeks, and I had uh, my most recent maintenance chemotherapy a couple of weeks ago. We talked about having me a guest, uh, me be a guest on then, and I thought, oh, that'll really be chemo brain at work. So <laughs> I decided it would be best to wait a couple of weeks, but uh, I really figured out along the way how to face cancer with joy, of course, literally and figuratively, but using humor, you know, using positivity and finding a phrase that I've coined called bright side effects, which is where you look on the bright side of all those nasty side effects of treatment. And this is really all about helping others discover how can they face cancer with joy, too. So break it down, break the book down for us. You kind of do it in, what are your kind of different chapters or points that you make? Sure. Yeah, to me, the book is really broken into three-thirds. There's nine chapters, and the first third of the book is what I would call encouragement. And have you ever noticed how in the middle of the word encouragement, there's the word courage? So basically what we're what? doing is we're giving <laughs> I you courage. I would never have thought no. about that. Really? Oh, Stop. my goodness. <laughs> Get out. Yep, right there in the middle of the word encouragement is the word courage. So just like when I teach people how to be a better listener, I tell them if you unscramble the word listen, it spells silence. And most people don't realize those, that those either. Games, she's I'm a, terrible she's at a neologist. Yeah, I, I, I I'm bad at those all, games. I'm glad you're here to help me with that. All kinds of fun things I can share. <laughs> but yeah, basically the first third of the book, you know, the opposite of fear is courage. So when you get diagnosed with cancer, we all know you have that paralyzing fear of death and dying, and you really need courage. You need inspiration, and you need to read stories and examples of others, and how did they face cancer using humor, using positivity. So that's the first third. Then the second third of the book, we get into do's and don'ts at diagnosis, and I've got a couple of those I'd love to share because, of course, I did some of the don'ts, and I missed some of the do's, you know, because I felt like I was being thrown in a pool and I didn't know how to swim when I got diagnosed with cancer. What were the don'ts that you did? Oh, did the, number one, <laughs> what, the number no, one. The number one don't I did is I went to Google and I was on the Internet and I was trying to research, you know, and I thought Google is my friend. I can type in a search and get all this information in .008 seconds. And I tell you, I really freaked myself out unnecessarily because anyone can be a content provider these days. You know, you slap up a website for free. Uh, here's what I tell people. Go to cancer.net. Cancer.net, so many people don't know about, and that's oncologist-approved cancer information from the American Society of Clinical Oncology. Uh, but it, another thing I talk about in the middle section of the book is how cancer diagnosis impacts your relationships. You've got to think about your professional relationships and how do you tell your boss and your customers or your employees, your coworkers and, and your vendors, and then also your personal relationships. You know, do you Joy, really want to go to Facebook? For, Joy, let me hop in for a second. I want to step back a little bit. You know, our show is about the young adult cancer story. 
and we yeah. like to we like to get people pissed off. And uh, in that sense, I'd love you to talk to us about any misdiagnoses, any terrible doctors, any horrible experiences that led you to be diagnosed as stage four. Um, talk to us about what, 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 not just what scared you, but what, what really angered you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you one story I do share in the book is I went to a doctor, and of course I didn't want to name names, but uh, I ended up calling him Dr. Arrogant. Uh, it was someone I was referred to see, and basically I just, this man had no bedside manner, you guys, and I quickly decided that I was not letting this person make a slit in my neck and remove a lymph node. They wanted to take out a bulging lymph node and test the mass to figure out if I had Hodgkin's or non-Hodgkin's lymph. And, uh, you know, your head's spinning in those appointments, and my mom asked him a question, and he must have thought he already answered it. He looked down his nose at her and said, well, my second answer will be the same as my first. And I guess he'd already told us that information, but, you know, excuse us if we didn't hear every word you said. Our heads are spinning just a little bit here. So that was a really unfortunate experience that I had. Well, I mean, as far as your symptoms go, uh, what what led you to even believe there was something wrong with you in the first place? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I was asymptomatic, and so really what led me is my mom saw a bulging lymph node, you know, a mass or a tumor on the right side of my neck, and it just wasn't symmetrical. You know, there wasn't the same thing on the left side. And so she pushed on it, and of course there was no pain. Uh, and she said, hey, let's call it mother's intuition, and I think we should go to the doctor and get this checked out. And unfortunately, that's how I got to stage four, is my cancer had spread and spread because I was asymptomatic. Okay. I'm sorry, we're having a giggle fest over here. My apologies. <laughs> Not because we're no, we're not laughing at you. No, there's nothing funny about Dr. Arrogant. No, no, but, uh, the, the, we just like the like Dr. Evil in our heads. We're thinking right. like what Dr. Arrogant possibly so, uh, looks like. I want to know where else. So, what were you doing with your life? Where were you working? Where were you living? Were you married? Yeah, well, I am single. Um, I have been self-employed since late 2005. So, I'm a professional speaker, and uh, I do speaking to groups, as you'd mentioned in the intro, uh, call, you know, churches and cancer treatment centers, hospitals, and I talk to college youth about entrepreneurship since I've had my own business for years and years. Uh, I was living in the Lincoln, Nebraska area and uh, wanting to move to Nashville, Tennessee, actually. I heard you say you'll be broadcasting from Nashville, and uh, that's where I live now, uh, but I was wanting to pursue a songwriting hobby, uh, and I had all that fun stuff going on right when I got diagnosed. So basically you were trying to just live your life and be a young person and stupid cancer came along and ruined it. Exactly. That's my thought exactly. <laughs> so have you always been optimistic uh, or did like cancer make you angry and then you turned it on its end? Like talk us, were you like an angry Jew like me to begin with? Or You know, I definitely have really always been an optimistic, happy person, and people typically meet me and then they'll quickly say, wow, you really live up to your name, which I go, thank goodness my name isn't anger or disappointment, you know, and they're telling me I really live up to my name, that would be really bad. <laughs> but, uh, but basically, I've always been a really joyful, happy person. Uh, definitely when I got that diagnosis, I spiraled downward and you know I went through all of the emotions and that's one of the do's I say in the book is do get mad and sad or you know depressed you need to work through those what cancer with joy is all about is just don't stay stuck there 
So, of course, no one wants to face cancer without joy, and I want to get people moving beyond the sadness, the anger, the depression. Can, can I ask you what, what cancer center you treated at? Sure, absolutely. Oh, currently, I'm going to Vanderbilt a University out in Nashville, and when I was in Nebraska, uh, I went to a cancer treatment center in Lincoln, uh, and then I also went up to the University of Nebraska Medical Center for a second opinion, which is my number one do. You've got to get that second opinion and have somebody else confer and confirm the proposed treatment plan. At any point in time during your uh, your interactions with these doctors in the oncology world, were you ever introduced to other young adults affected by cancer? Uh, you know, I wasn't really. And so that's where I went looking for resources. You know, I just took the initiative, but I recognized that a lot of young adults don't have the time. You know, you're working a full-time job. You're a full-time cancer patient. You may not have the energy or feel good after you've had your treatment. Uh, so that's why in the last third of the book, uh, the last chapter, in fact, I've got 25 pages of resources to save people their time and energy. I mean, I've got a whole section for young adults, and that's where I've got stupidcancer.com. Well, that's pretty awesome. Uh, I know she lists us in the book. Well, yes. Yeah, yes. I know. Well, we paid her, so <laughs> we we have to be listed now. Oh, no, wait. I didn't get that check. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Kenny, write the check. We're paying you in friendship. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. There we go. In that case, I've been richly blessed. No, so, we actually we encountered Joy, I think, for the first time when you were at a conference that we were unable to attend, and you discovered one of our... Uh, one of our lone merch boxes that was just laying on the table, and you were so nice enough to set it up for us. Okay, that was probably okay. like a year ago. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was trying to think back to how we got connected, but, boy, I tell you, I'm glad I came across Stupid Cancer, and I'm glad that I have become connected because, as you said, young adults, they need a place to plug in and access those resources, and you really don't have the time and energy to find them when you're fighting your cancer battle. We're glad to have more joy in our life. There you go. Well, we, we're, we're unfortunately coming up on uh, uh, having to wrap the segment here, Joy. So it's cancerwithjoy.com. That's where folks can find the book. It is cancerwithjoy.com. And, in fact, I've got a link I just put up on the Cancer with Joy uh, Facebook page. And at Cancer with Joy on Twitter, uh, when they buy through that link, I want to support you guys further and send you a check donating some of the proceeds from book sales tonight back to you. Also, people are going to get a cool freebie. They're going to get a bonus list of resources because, of course, I've come across more great things since the book has been published. So I've got a lot of things to really bring joy to people as they go from diagnosis through treatment. That's, right. that's quite extraordinary. Good we can't deal. thank you enough for your generosity. What an amazing story. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, we hope to run into you soon. Stay in touch. All right. Thanks so much for being with us. Joy Huber. Joy Huber. Thank you so much. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So what else is going on? Are we going to read some folks some news, Matthew? What do you think? Uh, I guess so. Let's go for the news here. And boom. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is I on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. During this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we announce to our listeners a whole bunch of newsworthy programs, events, and services that we do not want you missing out on. They're all free, and they're all just for young adults with cancer. Things like conferences. Happy hours, retreats, kayaking, and mountain climbing trips, finance webinars, college scholarships, bar crawls, concerts, tweet-ups, support groups, and more. 
If you have something coming up that you'd like to hear discussed during this part of the show, please email us at info at stupidcancer.com. Lisa. All right, you know it. Events.stupidcancer.com. That's where you'll find out everything about our social and educational events nationwide. Same loop. We don't want you missing out because something could be happening in your neck of the woods. What's going on, Kenny? Not too much. Just a, a quiet end of the month. We have bowling coming up on July 1st. At bowling? Bowling? Yeah. I'm terrible at bowling. Come on out to bowl with our Seattle crew. But it's fun. We like Seattle. Oh, yeah. What else? That's it. That's it, my friend. Do a better job. Just one bowling? Just one, one bowl- game of bowling? It's a quiet a- summer. Everybody needs to descend upon the Seattle bowling event. That would be huge. Yes. What is, is, is it a bowling game or a match? What do you call bowling when you take part in bowling? A match? A game? Let's, like, let's go have a um, let's go round? Let's, let's do some dead air. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. It's, uh, yeah. A bowling game. All right, join the uh, mailing list for the 6th Annual OMG Cancer Summit in Las Vegas next April. Visit omg2013.org. Click in the upper right-hand corner and enter your email address to receive the latest and greatest in e-news updates on dates, venue agenda, registration, players club fundraising, and other exciting information. The Stupid Cancer Forums have over 2,500 members. This is your premier online community to connect with survivors, patients, parents, caregivers just like you. Visit stupidcancerforums.com. Sign up with one click through Facebook. All right, presenting the cancer card brought to you by Stupid Cancer. Hey, that's us. Yes, it's an actual plastic credit card and accompanying keychain, Bob, because it's time to cash in all those pity chips and milk your diagnosis for all it's worth. Why? Because why not? Play your cancer card. You'll be glad you did. After all, you've earned it. Survivor's Rule, $14.99 for a 10-pack order today, and send us your photos at playthecard.org. You read that very well, Matthew. Thank you. Hey, New York City, save the day for the inaugural OMG Summit East. That's right, East. So nice we had to do it twice, being held on September 15th at Bruch College. (laughs) This special one-day event will be limited to the first 150 registrants, so check often, sign up first, omgsummit.org slash New York City 2012. And that is your stupid council news. Yes, it is. You had a lot of chutzpah during that segment. I did, didn't I? Yes. You know, I wanted to just let you know, and let everyone out there know, we are in the final stages of crunching our... OMG 2012 promotional video. Oh, nice. Yes, John Sabia from Hillside Media, who's the guy that's been um, doing all of our videos for us. He for was my road years. trip companion. Yes, on Kenny's road trip he's companion. He's a cute bald guy. Yes, he's a very cute bald guy. Yeah. And he, um, he and I have been working very steadfastly on getting this video out there. It should be done in about a week, and we're incredibly excited. Awesome. To have our promotional video. We've got a lot of cameos in there. Lots of people will see a lot of familiar faces. So it's hard to... To condense the whole weekend into like a five-minute spot, right? But it's really quite cool. Excellent. Is that it? That'll be uh, that'll be fun. Will it? I think so. Are you sure about that? I know so. Oh, you have predicted it. It's actually four four and a half minutes of Lisa dancing, <laughs> and thirty seconds of you know stuff for the sponsors. No, I did a, do a little bit of dancing. Didn't did I, I show you it at all? There's a, I don't the, think you did. There's a small. The, John had to piece out like the funniest stuff from different things, but yeah. the Will Riser interview. The clip is when he talks about how Seth, his friend Seth Rogen, yeah. and his other buddy were there, like Evan Goldberg were there with Seth, and they were kicking his bag of urine by accident. Seth's on his urine bag. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's just this fun. I'll show it to you. His catheter went. started tugging, and he said he could feel his catheter start to tug at his, you know, yes. nether region. Yeah, Ste- stepping in my 
giant bag of urine. Yes. Yeah. So that's in there. It's really, really cool. Yeah, that was hilarious. So we'll be posting that on Facebook and YouTube very shortly. Excellent. So, all right. Well, it looks like our guests are all uh, all here. So let's let's start a little early, and I shall begin. In our super epic interview for part two of the show, we are featuring Stupid Kids in New Orleans and the Young Adults Taking a Stand Against Cancer Group. Joining us first, Mary Catherine Rodriguez, Dr. Mary Catherine Rodriguez, one of two co-founders of the Yats Against Cancer in New Orleans. Their mission is to navigate young adults between the ages of 21 to 39, uh, either as a patient, survivor, or caregiver, towards supportive resources in the New Orleans metro area that reflect the city's unique local identity, like beignets. Whether it's cancer <laughs> or crawfish, Yats are about keeping it local, keeping it real, and keeping it about empowering young adults. And we should mention, again, Yats, young adults taking a stand. Yes. All right, Kathleen Satoon is a 27-year-old Hodgkin's, not 27-year, 27-year-old Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor. She recently had an um, allergenic, what? Stem cell transplant at MD Anderson and is still in remission, happy to be done with treatment and cancer-free, but still getting used to the new normal and new problems from all the great side effects of cancer, the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, And Benjamin Bullen is an award-winning photographer and artist from New Orleans. He graduated from Louisiana State University, receiving a bachelor's degree in fine arts. He is known for his use of recycled materials, which he assembles into one-of-a-kind art pieces. I could crack a joke about Nick from Family Ties, but I won't. Please welcome to the show, Benjamin Bullen, Kathleen Satoon, and Dr. Mary Catherine Rodriguez. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Oh, here. Hi, guys. I Hi, should everyone. learn to read these bios in advance. What yeah, the hell is an allogenetic? Allogeneic. Allogeneic. I mean, Kathleen can. Matthew. Oh, like wow. Stem cell transplant. I only went to college for like an hour, okay? Well, come on. You should know this. Okay. There are two kinds of stem cell transplants, auto and allo. Auto is where you get your own stem cells. And allo is where you get them from a donor. And that's what I had. Well, I had both, but most recently I had the one um, where you get them from a donor. You learn so, something every day. This is where I get the G.I. Joe and knowing you have the battle soundtrack. Very nice. Well, let, let's kick this off. Um, well, first of all, Mary Catherine Rodriguez, one of my BFFs, Kenny Loves you and knows you very well, I know, too. I know. Hi, Kenny. Hey, how are you? I'm ya? the only one that's out of the <laughs> loop. No. And Lisa, well, Lisa, we met briefly in Vegas, but it was Vegas, oh, so you forget those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were all drunk, so that doesn't count. Shwayful. Yeah. No, I've known I've known MK as I call her for quite a while now. Oh, and wow. um, MK. MK. Wow. Yeah. We're on an initial basis. We are on an initial. I'm MK. <laughs> she's MK. He's MZ. I'm MK. Yes, exactly. And uh, I was recently down in New Orleans for a, our inaugural Stupid Cancer Boot Camp earlier this year. Mm-hmm. So I got a private tour of uh, of the um, the French Quarter. And yep. got to see all the porn stores. A private tour of the French Quarter <laughs> from, all classy from MK. Yeah, nothing like beignets and porn to make, right. make the New Yorker. I won't tell you about the, uh, yeah. the porn the involvement in the road trip. <laughs> <laughs> right, and the Super Cancer Road Trip stopped in New Orleans. Had a great time with the crew. Yes. Totes. Good stuff. Well, all right, well, let's, get a, oh, ugh, let's kick it off then, MK. I want to talk about your story first because you, um, you, uh, you lost your husband to cancer. I and, did, uh, yeah. That is no, sort no. of the guise under which you entered the young adult world. In it, you know, obviously not by choice, but you've chosen right. to make so much good out of that situation. Can you tell us about Drew? Yeah, sure. Um, Drew Rodriguez was my husband. We um, 
were married in 09, and then he actually passed away a couple months right after that. Um, and he was just an absolutely incredible person. Um, he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2002 and um, actually did, I think, a total of 17 different types of treatments, including an allogeneic and an autogeneic transplant. And um, Rub it in. Just rub it in. <laughs> I'm giving you a lesson here. And so anyway, um, but the biggest thing that stood out, and I think I've learned kind of more after the, the years that has passed since he's passed away, is that he just looked at life's adversities and then kept going with it. I mean, he was still very determined to um, coach football. That was a passion of his, to finish college, to um, just have meaningful relationships with people. He wasn't going to let um, friendships die or relationships with family members go away. He would, you know, a lot of his family, especially immediate family, lived one in Hawaii. They they live all over, and so he would make it a point to travel and see them. He just lived life like cancer just wasn't an issue. And so and moving forward um, and working with young adults with cancer, that's just something I always has stuck with me and I wanted to that part of him to live on if one more person told me how tragic it was that I was a young widow I was I was gonna hurt someone so I figured if I can change the way people perceive that whole perceive Drew perceive the whole situation then I can change the tone I guess not just for Drew but for all young adults that's the goal I guess we actually have a board member who lost her husband, and 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 we had her on the show early on when we first uh, were introduced to her after her husband passed away, and we asked her what we what, asked her like what do you think about the um the term a cancer widow, and she said it makes me want to punch a kitten. <laughs> So do you are you I heard you just use it in, in dialogue, but you, would you rather be referred to as something else at all? Um, MK is working pretty well for okay, me. Okay, MK. No, <laughs> because so, we we obviously we deal with a lot of. Actually, we're having um someone who lost their husband on the show next week. Um, yeah. Um, Megan Rogers from the uh, Collegiate Cancer Foundation lost her husband Dan Wager, and uh, she likes to be referred to, I believe, as the bereaved young adult spouse. That's a mouthful. I know. There's I, a lot of syllables. <laughs> yeah. But um, you don't have to punch a kitten. That's the most important no, part. No, you don't have no to punch a kitten. No kitten punching. You know, I guess it's it's what each person kind of thinks of it. It, it I, honestly, it's just a word. It doesn't bother me either either way. Um, but I, it's almost like my version of the cancer card. When I need to get out of something, I'm like, you know, I'm, I was a, a young widow. <laughs> so um, no, but it's it's yeah, it's kind of just not even a factor to me. Well, uh, let's kick it over then to is it Ben or Benjamin? Do you prefer? Uh, is he Ben or Benjamin? Okay, and I hear a, a tint of an accent. Uh, some people say. <laughs> and uh, your lovely wife, Kathleen. No. Uh, and I are not married. Okay. <laughs> Why did you think they were married? Matthew, uh, you're 0 for 2 on the show. I'm 0 for so 2 far. on the show. Yeah, I can't two. pronounce allogeneic. I just no, pronounced no, no. Well. 0 for 1 now. Yeah. All right, so let's let's read what I, I just... Ben and I are both very good friends of Mary Kay. But, okay. Um... Yeah. Okay, then you are... And, I just... Well, we have somebody who's a reverend here tonight, so maybe they'll be married <laughs> before the end of the show. And Ken, Kenny was an ordained minister on the internet, Correct. and James's dad is a is a minister. So, Mother. your James's mom is a minister. There we go. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, so let's let's then get this conversation going. How do you two know each other, and uh, what bet did you lose to become friends with Mary Catherine? Oh, hey now. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, MK and I we actually met through a mutual friend, and um, who I do a lot of artwork for uh, him personally and uh, his organization. And so uh, when she saw some of the artwork that I was doing uh, for his charitable causes, uh, she asked me if I would be interested in, in doing some uh, different pieces, and one of them being 
uh, this unique plane that I did for uh, Kathleen, and uh, so that's kind of how our uh, that's kind of how we started. And uh, since then, we've actually been doing a lot of other things together, and so um, we've uh, just really enjoyed uh, working with people and giving back. And so that's how we're uh, staying connected. You really have a wonderful New Orleans accent. You sound, you sound like Harry Connick. Nice. But but better. I probably can't sing like him though. <laughs> so now you and you and uh well you're not well we haven't married you off. You and Kathleen are beloved. How, We're yes. Beloved. Are are in a relationship. No, I don't know where no. you guys are getting this from. <laughs> it's okay. hysterical. I'm actually no, married but, of eight years now. I know. Okay. Benjamin's but, wife is going to kill us. <laughs> I know. Y'all, y'all going to have me sleeping on the I didn't say anything. Tonight. There's nothing in the bio that they're married. Where are you getting I, this from? I know. I don't know where you're getting Now, this is where, okay, so Kathleen's boyfriend. Well, I'll explain it real quick. Okay, Kathleen's boyfriend, Matt, is Drew's brother. And so um, that is That's actually how... That is how, and I guess through, yes, that is how we know each other. And um, through YATS, we wanted to do something just unique for a young adult with cancer that would be, you know, just beyond a generic assistance program, but just do something that had more meaning to it. And so Matt moved to Hawaii, and Kathleen was moving out there to be with him um, when she had to go back to MD Anderson. And so something that we wanted to do on behalf of YATS was pay for her flight to um Hawaii and and actually just pay for it one way and kind of symbolically saying like you're this is your next step this is your next chapter um you know go out there and and you're not coming back for a while and so um and then knowing Ben and the amazing work that he does I just knew that he could make this really special and um and then incorporate art that would not just symbolize the flight to Hawaii, but take it to a whole other level of using found objects that people disregard because they're, they, those people think they're no longer beautiful or functional. But is in my profession and looking at cancer survivorship, I think that's the essence of it. It's, it's taking what somebody feels is no longer beautiful or functional and reworking it into something that has way more meaning and purpose. And so I just, it was the perfect link to get Ben on board, and then um, and then it just worked. So we're all Southern. We all love each other anyway. So <laughs> I knew that they would hit it off, and it, it worked out to be something, I mean, extraordinary, things that I didn't. It came out way better than I would have imagined. All right, so if I may make a redemptive statement, <laughs> um, just to to cure my... Uh, my yeah, give me off of the sofa tonight. Three, I know. <laughs> my, 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 <laughs> my three-year-old mind here. Uh, MK, all right, Drew's brother's... Fiance is, is Kathleen. Well, no, well, you're, look, you're, you're getting them in trouble too. I'm They're not close. engaged yet. I, was, I hope he's listening and hears that. Okay. Uh, all right, so, anyway, all right, I'm I'm at a, I'm going home. You're just digging your hole bigger and yeah. bigger. I'm going to go home. Good night, guys. <laughs> Let's go back to Kathleen's story. I met, I'm, I met Matt two years ago. That's, okay. Um, Drew Rodriguez's brother. Um, we're not engaged. We're not married. We're just. We did live together in Hawaii for a little bit after my stem cell transplant, but um, it's he's great because you know he understands a little bit what I am going through. You know that makes um, makes it unique and makes it work. I think. And Kathleen, and, so tell us um, about well, tell us about your life when you were diagnosed. What you were doing? Okay. Well, I, I was listening earlier, and, and I heard you asking that to uh, the guests before, and I was just laughing, thinking that 
hoping you asked me the same thing. I, um, it was two weeks after my 24th birthday, and I was in my second year of law school at LSU Law, and it was the week before exams, and I had been going, I was, I was diagnosed stage four as well, so I probably should have been diagnosed sooner, but the problem was that I was going to the student health center where they just, I was a student, you know, and that's where my insurance was, and I guess that's what I was used to doing because I'd been a student for so long. So I'd go to the student health center, and I'd been diagnosed with bronchitis, you know, sinus infection, you know, and the, you know. Basically probably... everything except what you actually had. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. One day, finally, when, you know, I had a cough, um, I had a cough for a while, and then, you know, in the weeks before, the night sweats and the skin rash started, and I knew something was really long, wrong, and finally a nurse at the LSU Health Center diagnosed me, <laughs> and it was a big shock. I don't know. Maybe it shouldn't have been because I was having a lot of problems, but anyway, so that started that. That was in April of 2009, so I left school, met an oncologist the next day, started treatment. It went really well at first. Um, I was on, you know, what do they call it? Um, a high dosage, basically. Be a cop was okay. the regimen. So the, the, the punchy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and it went really well at first. You know, when I first started my treatment, I felt better than I had for the past year. So I was really optimistic then, and I was like, you know, I'm going to keep living my life. I actually worked my summer clerkships while I was getting treatment and everything was great. But then toward the end of the summer, you know, chemotherapy is cumulative in your body. It started to take a toll on me. So I started to not feel as good, started to realize, you know, really what this is all about because it all happened so fast. And um, things were going well. I had a good scan and then I had a bad scan in December. So, you know, nine months after I started, I had a reoccurrence. That's when I had the first stem cell transplant. Um, you know, that was oh, that's a lot of chemo, a lot of hospital time. A which lot of I'm sorry, which, which center were you at at this point? Well, I, I've been at three. <laughs> I was first <laughs> at Ochsner in New Orleans, and when when I had the um, the reoccurrence, I had to move because they didn't have a stem cell unit there yet. So then I switched to Tulane. Or actually, Mary Catherine I know. worked at the time, but yeah. I didn't have her as my um, as my person, unfortunately. So we never really ran into each other. Ships but, in the uh, night. I think I think we may have met once. Once, once I was briefly. Like, I did like your psyche valve or something, or yeah. Yeah, and I knew who she was, so I was like, "Well, let me know if I can help you with anything." But we never we didn't see each other for a while after that, and then. Um, I was in remission for a little bit, but I had a lot of side effects then, you know, went through stuff. I actually went back to school, finished school, finished with a ton of symptoms, you know, only to have my PET scan scheduled for, you know, right after school was finished. And um, that was when panic really set in, was the third time. And that time we decided to go to MD Anderson after Tulane kind of botched some of my, you were talking about doctors being stupid. I mean, I had like three different biopsies and, you know, one of them came back not showing anything because it was in my bones and the bone is hard to see. 
And I went and met with them, and they said, you know, your biopsy, it's benign, we don't see anything, and we all went home really happy. And then, like, two days later, I get a call, not from my oncologist, but from my orthopedic surgeon, saying, oh, we've scheduled you another biopsy. You know, basically uh, someone, the secretary at the orthopedic surgeon's office is telling me, no, your biopsy wasn't good, it's inconclusive, and you have another one, you know, in a few days. So... I think that was um, part of the decision what um, we decided to go to MD Anderson, and that's where I am now. And I had a CT scan today. And I met Matt somewhere in between all of that. Wow. Somewhere in between all of that. Yeah. Are you familiar with the cancer? I'm sorry. (laughs) I had to jump in. Uh, Kathleen, are you familiar all with the Cancer 180 program at MD Anderson? No. I feel like I should be, though. What is that? Yes, you should. The Cancer 180 program is their young adult social network. And it's helmed by a good friend of mine named Marisa Meir. And I, can't uh, I don't know I've if I've never heard of that. Yeah. Um I I'm this is this is part of why we have these conversations on the air, is is we want to ensure that no young adult goes unaware of resources and the fact that you're at one of the nation's most preeminent cancer organizations or cancer treatment centers and they have one of the more preeminent young adult support networks and you're not aware of it is a sh- shame on them. <laughs> That's sad. Yeah. So I'll uh, be sure to, well, to connect I'll have to the dots. Yeah. Now I'm just, I was here, um, I started coming here last May, you know, driving back and forth from May to August for treatment, and then after that I came here full-time in August to December to receive the stem cell transplant. And after that I moved to Hawaii to recover for a little bit, so that was really nice. Thanks. Did you know yeah. somebody in Hawaii, or what? what well, the city Matt, are you Matt? Matt you're not there for a job, and oh, okay. <laughs> we just thought that it so would that be out. a nice place for me to go um, and kind of take a break after, you know, a really intense um, year and treatment and everything. So, so let's, pull, let's pull Benjamin, poor Benjamin, back into this conversation. Here. <laughs> yeah, um, he's already he's, in, he's in the doghouse. Yeah. <laughs> So Benjamin, what is it like for you as an artist? So you made you, tell us more about this airplane and what what it's like for you as an artist to make something so personal for someone else that has this kind of connection of what they've been through that was so transformative, obviously in in her life. Right. Um, actually, for me, it's it's a great honor to be able to to do what I do, uh, especially uh, when I get to do personal projects like this one for Kathleen. Um, but a lot of times. Uh, the way I work is, uh, like Mary Catherine gave me this idea of maybe doing a plane. So immediately my mind will start racing to put together pieces that'll that'll look like a plane. And that was was pretty neat about uh, this one was I was actually working on a different piece that that had a license plate as part of the ple- as part of the piece. And when she was texting back and forth, uh, I'm holding this license plate in my hand and I said, "Man, this would make great wings for an airplane." So that essentially became the wings of the airplane, but I took it a step further and uh, I found some wings uh, that, I mean, I'm sorry, some license plates that were from Hawaii and turned those into the wings. Wow. And what was pretty neat is um, kind of the relationship, the story of a license plate. These were from the 80s, so, you know, 30-plus years of riding behind some car on the island of Hawaii. What kind of stories could those license plates tell? And so that was kind of the the main inspiration for the piece. And then I just started building and putting together uh, different elements that would uh, make a complete plane. But um, 
for the most part, when I design, it's not really the, the story of of what you're looking at. It's it's the story of of how the person responds to the piece. And it, I I remember uh, Kathleen telling uh, Mary Catherine that she felt like I really knew her when she received that plane, although we we had only met a few times before that. And uh, it's I think it's because I, I work with common everyday objects that many people can kind of pull their own story out of it. Instead of me giving a story, I just let the viewers uh, kind of, you know, get their own story out of the piece. And uh, so many times I've I've put together pieces. And uh, matter of fact, I did one for Mary Catherine's, one of her coworkers. And uh, on the piece was uh, a little mayonnaise, uh, an old mayonnaise cap that was uh, I used uh, for a photograph, and I poured resin into the mayonnaise cap. And it really meant nothing to me other than it had some cool texture, and I, I, and I thought the proportions were right. Well, when I presented the piece to the to the lady, she said, "You're not going to believe this, but the story." Be- between me and my husband, the big story in the house is over the mayonnaise. How one <laughs> thinks they should refrigerate it and the other one thinks they shouldn't. Ew. And right there on the cap, <laughs> no, no, no. Right on Wait, the cap, well, it says you... mayonnaise and it says refrigerate after opening. <laughs> and so it was just kind of a unique thing that a lot of times I, I just will design a piece that looks pleasing to me and, and something I want to present. But the, the really unique part is the way the viewer responds to the piece. And that's what I'm 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 kind of overwhelmed at the success that my work has had and I think it really lies in in using those common everyday objects that we all know. Well, Benjamin, if I could jump in like the the origins of your creative process, like these are very much more like installations in a sense and uh and I don't know if that's an insult or not, but I I I think what you're doing is extraordinary. Can you talk us through your early history? As an artist, did you go somewhere to study? Did you just pick this up on your own? You're naturally gifted. Well, uh, I think I think in, in using this medium, I'm naturally gifted. Uh, but I did go to school. Uh, I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts uh, with a concentration in photography. And I worked uh, as a professional photographer in New Orleans for about six years uh, up until uh, Hurricane Katrina. And that's when I, I pretty much lost all of my photography contracts and had to resort to doing other other means to survive. Wow. And uh, one of those was uh, working in construction, as I can kind of find my place uh, in a post-Katrina New Orleans. And, and, and obviously uh, just lost your photography contracts because those businesses had been destroyed. Well, yeah, I was doing mostly uh, editorial, and the editorial yeah. survived off our advertisers, which no one was advertising because the whole city was shut down. So, right. I mean, literally a week before Katrina... Uh, I had an offer to double my contract on on my my main income, and a week after Katrina, the contract didn't even exist anymore. Yeah, wow. wow. So that was uh, and that was something I was thinking about the some of the similarities of Kathleen, myself, and Mary Catherine is that uh, through different tragedies in our life, this is what has brought us together, and 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 this is how we're doing what we're doing and is making us who we are. And so I thought that was pretty unique, you know, that Hurricane Katrina kind of forced me into this art career. And, uh, you know, with Kathleen, of course, her battle with cancer, and then Mary Catherine losing her husband. And now we've all kind of come across each other, and, and now we're kind of working together to, to inspire other people and 
you know, use my artwork and, and uh, Mary Catherine's organization and Kathleen's amazing story. And so uh, for me, it's um, it's just a blessing to be a part of it. And it no, looks like you – I was just reading a, a bio of, uh, of Benjamin online, too. It looks like you actually post-Katrina – Stuff that you found around that had been destroyed or just kind of touring the streets is where you find a lot of uh, what you use to make your art. Is that right? Well, that's how I initially started. I was yeah. actually, um, my brother is a contractor, so contracting was big after Katrina, so I would work with him so I could pay my bills. Yeah. And during our lunch break, we would work out by the uh, Lake Ponchin train, and so there was a lot of debris and stuff all around that area. It was one of the hardest hit, hardest hit areas. And so during lunch breaks, I would go out and just find random things, and I just started putting them together. And uh, pretty neat is that I, I would do a lot of photography work for a, an art gallery. And so I showed the gallery owner the work, and once I saw his enthusiasm over the work, I knew I had a marketable product, and uh, I just started putting the work out there, and little by little, you know, my work started to grow, my name started to grow, and here I am today. I do it full time, and uh, we're doing pretty well. That's great. Real extraordinary story. Yeah, and something I want to just add because um, I, I thought it was so humbling and just such an amazing kind of way to tie all this together. Um, when I had approached Ben about doing this piece, you know, I, I definitely wanted to, to obviously pay him for his work, and he he insisted that I couldn't pay him, but um, if I could pay it forward on he and his wife Hannah's behalf to um, someone that he knew personally battling cancer, a young adult at MD Anderson, um, a, a guy by the name of Nathan Fitzgerald, who, um, so instead of, of uh, yeah, it's get paying or commissioning Ben to make this piece, he wanted us to pay it forward for his friend and his friend's family, and so we did that. Um, unfortunately, his, his friend passed away um about a, about a month, I think, after that. But it's just, and and I just have to brag about you, Ben, because I just think that's amazing that you know, in that moment, just to, it just brought it all together and just made it a really special story, a special piece, and it was a lot bigger than I think any any of us expected. Uh, Kathleen, I, I pull up the website. The Cancer 180 at MD Anderson has a website it's called Cancer180.org. Fairly straightforward. Okay. I could have guessed that. But it, apparently that's cancer180.org. Check it out. I can't believe none of my nurses ever told me about it. Well, now you have an op- Now you're pissed. So that's the whole point. <laughs> you can go back to them and say you didn't tell me about this or stupid cancer or anything else. So um, I wanted no, to get. I've checked y'all out before. That's okay. Oh, that's well, we're special. We, we we make people marry that are already married. <laughs> so I, I wanted to get your reaction. Obviously, you know when you did you know that Benjamin well, was. No, I have no idea about that. It was funny because, you know, I see Mary Mary Catherine all the time, and, you know, we talk about the things going on in our life, and she said, I think we want to change the direction of Yats, you know, make it more personal, you know, do do local personal projects. And I was like, that's a great idea, you know. <laughs> Little did I know she was planning on doing something for me, and then eventually, you know, Matt kind of stole the beans, so I kind of knew something was going on. Uh, but I had no idea that Ben was involved and that it was so special. And I was really surprised when she, you know, she presented me with a plane ticket, which I kind of knew about, and I was very excited and everything. But then she, you know, walks up with this sculpture, which is just amazing. And um, it really was, you know, represented the time I got to spend in Hawaii and, 
um, you know, it says new purpose on the plane. Which Did the TSA give you a hard time? what I was driving for, really. And um, it was just really nice. Um, and, you know, now that I've gotten to know Ben, I appreciate his work so much. So, yeah, it's um, it was great. I was, I was surprised. So, MK, let's take the last five minutes to, to bring this all together. Um, mm-hmm. And that that that's really around what YATS is all about, because I remember our first conversations very early on a couple of years ago about, um, you know, you and your partners with Ryan, uh, sort of getting this all in, in check and how we were playing a great role with that and we're still great partners. Um, t- talk to our listeners about what YATS is, how it evolved, and, and, I mean, we mentioned this quickly in the bio, but... I think it's really important to talk about how the young adult community, whether you have cancer or not, is still impacted by it, and you guys are choosing to make a difference. Yeah, um, we we kind of grassroots founded YATS in 2008. It was Mary Cath- the other Mary Catherine uh, Moffat, uh, Ryan Goyette, and yes, Diana Novak. Yeah, there were two Mary Catherine, there, by the way. <laughs> there was, but yeah. she was MC, so that, okay. that made it a little bit better. But right. um, we really were kind of brought together by this common theme. Um, the other Mary Catherine worked in uh, in cancer um, organization, and uh, I was, you know, uh, Drew and I were engaged at the time, and I was working at Tulane, and Ryan um, also had Hodgkin's, and Diana had uh, cervical cancer. So we all just kind of had, like you kind of said, like when you get angry, that's when things happen. So we would just sporadically meet after work um, and just kind of talk about this crazy um, boat of life that we were in that we never expected, and it just started evolving. Once we realized that the, there were four of us, maybe more people would want to join us, and so we did these kind of informal happy hour kind of things um, for the first year. And then um, when when Drew passed away, I think it really just gave us more um, just more encouragement to get something going. And then we found you and decided. Um, why reinvent the wheel and and let's partner and and get this thing going and so we started our first annual party in 2009 and really just i think our mission was very broad it was just to bring awareness and support to the new orleans community because there was nothing out there that was the thing it's like the four of us are meeting and we couldn't find any anything um that was already established and so that was our goal to do just that and then um like kathleen had alluded to it was you know, we, we now we have people's attention. What can we do with this? And right. um, I thought, let's let's think outside of the box. Let's do these kind of specialty projects um, that that would really mean something way more than just um, transportation assistance or medical copay assistance or something like that. And, and you know, it's funny you, you you meet people along the way in your life that really inspire you. And, and I've definitely met been included a lot of people that. Um, that think outside of the box and just kind of inspire me and, and are willing to help me. That's the thing. I have these crazy ideas, and then I'm like, I don't know what to do with them. So it's been uh, a really a fun ride of meeting the people that help me get them going and, and making them come to life. And, and you are a doctor. Well, yeah, but PhDs. So if you were, like, choking, I can't help you. I can't tell you how many times <laughs> people that have PhDs are like, I'm not really a doctor. Because <laughs> you don't want that moment when you're in a restaurant and somebody's choking. They say, is there a doctor here? And somebody points to you, and you're like, oh, my God, no. I'm only don't a PhD. I only spent 11 years in I'll college. I'll talk you through your tragic choking experience, right. but I can't help you yet. No. <laughs> right. I can therapize you as you're getting <laughs> exactly. your whatever. Like right, right. So let's wrap with Mary Bird Perkins. Uh, tell us about um, your work your work there. Um, do you see a lot of young adults, and has uh, the, the clinic itself really bought on to the idea of having a, 
you know, like like does YAS have a role there, and and uh, the future of young adult care and awareness in New Orleans? Yeah, yeah. Um, it actually, it, with the help of um, the Commission on Cancer and their new standards for um, 2012 and highlighting cancer survivorship, that really helped solidify our program and what we're building here. And um, slowly but surely, I mean, there are young adults being um, enrolled in my program. And the the best part about it, though, is they really want to get involved in something. They want to be able to, um, you know, attend a support group that's not your traditional support group. And so um, YATS was really a New Orleans thing, but it's kind of migrating its way west a bit to Baton Rouge because I'm here and um, there's other local organizations that want to get on board and help establish something. And so we we did that. We had our first um, group in March. And so um, I really wanted the it to it to, the the yeah, it's kind of chapter, I guess, here in Baton Rouge to um, be, have ideals of the people that are attending, what do they want to see? And so it's not just it's like one month a support group for patients and caregivers, and then the next month you do something else, whether that be, you know, go to a bar one night or um, go bowling or just change it up. Um, and so it's exciting to see that evolve. But um, as far as Mary Bird and survivorship, it's it's really um, it's now getting a lot more physician buy-in, which I think is a national an international trend that, that physicians are seeing the need for survivorship care. I mean, at, at in 2012, I think we have about 12 million survivors living in the United States. I mean, people are no longer dying of cancer. They're living with cancer, and they deserve to have the best um, and, and best life possible with all their resources and their needs being addressed, and, and especially for young adults because those needs are just vast, so vastly different from, um, like, I think, Matt, you told me this, dentures and diapers. The babies and the older adults have I forgot the that phrase. Yeah, you very said nice. that. I learned that from you, but and I use it all the time and totally act like I made it up. But um <laughs> <laughs> but um, but really, you know, it's fertility, it's dating, it's careers, it's body image. There's just so much unique um, unique needs for that age demographic, and it's just been really exciting. And we, Mary Bird, also um, partnered with LSU uh, Health Sciences Center on a grant for young women with breast cancer. It, it actually now young adults have grabbed the attention of the Centers for Disease Control, and they um, put out. A grant about this time last year, just calling you know all centers to um, apply for a grant that would create a best practice model for navigating young women with breast cancer between the ages of 18 and 44. And um, uh, Mary Bird and LSU were selected for the Southeast region, so they only chose four um, recipients in the country, and we were one of them. And that's what we're working on now, which is also extremely exciting because we did a needs assessment, and uh, the top four um, needs that young women with breast cancer want to be addressed. Number one was genetics, and I thought that was interesting. I knew that would be high up there, but um, number one, I was surprised. But then right after that is career uh, and um, and just job opportunities and insurance. Uh, three was um, psychosocial issues and emotional factors, and then four was body image and dating. So it's um, it's really exciting. I think that now, especially with the movie 50-50, I mean, it's grabbing the nation's attention, um, and so it's just exciting to be a part of it. Sorry, we're having a, another giggle moment here in the studio. Uh, I <laughs> damn you, Kenny Kane. Tell Kenny he's messing up the interview. Can you? He is. It it's all his fault. <laughs> anyway, I'm the Kenny. most unprofessional person you will ever meet. <laughs> you are. He's fired after this show. No. I know. Lisa, right. take anyway, care of him. Our giggle fest is over. Mary, Catherine, you you guys are great. I can't tell you like I I always. This is good stuff. No, I I've, I've been really. I, lo- I love the, 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 the quiet. I'm talking. Have a <laughs> 
<laughs> Lisa slapped him. No, but yeah. to see how to see the birth yeah. of a young adult chapter, you know, grow into the culture of the city and not just be like this one up thing that happens, they have to compete with everything. People just get it, there's a lot going on there. And you you've really taken the reins on this and, and this is why we wanted to sort of showcase that it's possible. Start a chapter Become a voice, use the the resources and the stories that are in your local area, and make a difference. And I can't thank you guys enough for your willingness to come on the show yeah, and share the cool stories. we got a cool guy with a cool New Orleans accent on our yeah, show. Yeah, we got Harry Connick Jr. Know. on the show. Yeah. Really <laughs> amazing stuff. Apparently he's planning a wedding, too. Oh, my goodness. I know. Y'all are, are going to be busy. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I, have to, I will give you one bit of advice to someone that got married. The best advice I ever got from someone was that during your wedding it goes so quickly you're never going to remember it. I mean, pictures <laughs> the one thing. But seriously, I did this. I thought it was crazy, but I remember it. During your wedding, close your he's eyes. He's been married, you know, Ben, for eight yeah, years. Yeah, he's not <laughs> actually planning oh, a So maybe his, his oh. vow renewal ceremony? <laughs> yeah. Matt, Matt doesn't Matt, remember Matt is, his, his Matt is, yeah. All right, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> yeah. We broke Bye-bye. Matt. You, night, you, night. you broke Matt. You, we broke Lisa. We broke the show. Night, night. All right, well, forget <laughs> everything I was going to tell you and ignore me. Yes. I know, but we have to give we have to give a quick shout out to Ryan and Diana who I know are are listening and yes. you know the ads is is them and and Thank none of this you, would be possible. Ryan and Diana, yeah. <laughs> awesome, yeah. well, good stuff, right. guys. I know Ryan, they're the best. Great well, show. Good luck to you, uh, Ben. Keep on trucking, Kathleen. Uh, feel Thanks. good. Get in touch with Marissa at Cancer One Eighty and MK. You rock. Well, thank okay. you. Thank you guys for having us. Appreciate right. it so you. much. All right, all right. Benjamin Bowen, Kathleen Satoon, and Mary Catherine Rodriguez. From uh, Stupid Cancer New Orleans. Before and we go, we have to give a shout out to intern Matthew Beckett. Matt has Beckett some, has some doctor's appointments tomorrow. Oh, so we awesome. just want to. Uh, We're sending I mean, our love to Matt Beckett. Give him a big we'll giant hug. Speaking of g- giggle fests, yes, yep. our favorite giggle the, fest. The our favorite giggler. giggler. Yes. Yep. All right. Well, that is tonight's show, and now it is time for our thank God closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internet. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so. To all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, everybody, that is tonight's show. A little bit of a giggle fest for here behind the scenes, but we enjoyed it. We hope you did, too. Number 230, hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at Stupid Cancer. All right, we'd like to thank Kenny Kane, James Manning, being in the studio. Joy Huber, Mary Catherine Rodriguez, Benjamin Bullens, and Kathleen Setoon. All right, join us next week, everybody. The show is, you know it, you love it, not really, you kind of hate it. Cancer <laughs> makes you broke. Samantha Eisenstein Watson, she's a young adult survivor of Ewing sarcoma and the founder of the SAM Fund. Megan Rogers, believes young adult cancer advocate and president of the National Collegiate Cancer Foundation. And in the spotlight, Amelia Stevens, young adult survivor osteosarcoma, and she's a program coordinator at the SAM Fund of NorCal. All right, if you missed any of our past shows, download them all for free on iTunes at itunes.stupidcancer.com or check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com. Remember, folks, if it ain't stupid, it ain't cancer. Live from the chemo deck, on behalf of Lisa Bernhard, myself, and our whole team here at the Stupid Cancer Show. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday live at 8 p.m. Good night.